0: I think sometimes we work too hard at painting. Painting should always be fun. Should make you happy. That's when you're truly an artist.
1: everyone and welcome to a very special episode of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark. Now during today's special, I'm going to be celebrating the weekend that I've just had in Sheffield with the guys at Vice Press at their incredible open house event. Honestly, this was one of the biggest and most successful events that I've been to all year. I've spent so many years going to events like MCM Comic Con, Wales Comic Con, all the guys down at Showmasters, but this for me was far better. It was more unique, it was more specialised and just more intimate and honestly I've had one of the best weekends of my life there. It was so great from start to finish and all the work and the thought and the prep that had gone into this via James and Matt at Vice Press really paid off. The event was a celebration of art, and it had for me the world's best artists. There we had Matt Ferguson, Hannah Gillingham, we had raid 71, Sam Gilby, Nada Mctari, John Pearson, Doley, Royalston, Andrew Swainson, More Art Gallery andy fairhurst bella grace and many more and honestly it was absolutely awesome it felt like a big family catch-up and the community is like nothing else everyone is so supportive of each other and it really was just a beautiful beautiful event And I was lucky enough to be asked to attend to do some live podcasts throughout the day. And that's why I'm here now. So if you've missed out on the event or you were lucky enough to attend, hopefully now you can catch up and listen to some interviews. So on today's episode, I'm joined by a returning guest of Mark and Me, the amazing Sam Gilby. Not only that, another returning guest, Dolly. And for me, one of the most beautiful and creative artists out there. And a first time on Mark and Me, the amazing Bella Grace. And all three of those interviews will be coming up in just a couple of minutes time. The event itself was a huge success and each and every artist were involved in the prep and making of this incredible goodie bag that everyone got on their way in. Matt Ferguson himself had done three small art cards of the Guardians of the Galaxy trilogy in the Star Wars style. And honestly, these were beautiful. I couldn't believe they were giving these away. Not only that, everyone got keyrings, stickers... But each artist that I've named that attended the event also were involved in producing a one-off print that was then given to every single person that attended the goodie bag was incredible and stick around to the end of this podcast because i'm lucky enough thanks to vice press to be able to give one of those away to you guys at home today and also on my social media channels over the next few days they're really something very special and genuinely something money can't buy you had to go to the event to get them and they're just absolutely gorgeous You're probably sick of hearing my voice now so i think the best thing to do is to get to the very first interview on today's special i'm joined by returning guest sam gilby i'm a huge fan of his work i've got a number of his prints all over my home and it was an absolute pleasure to welcome him back on this vice press special so here's me and sam gilby talking all things art hello everyone and welcome to vice press how is everyone doing today is everyone having a good time That's what I like to hear. So I hope everyone's having a good time today. My name's Mark. I'm from the podcast Mark and Me. And what we're going to do today is pull up some of the artists that are here today, do some interviews live on the couch for you all, and we'll do some giveaways. But yes, the first guest today I have, and please make some noise for Sam (laughs) Gilby. Hello, Sam, and welcome to Vice Press
2: Open House. Thank you very much. Welcome well, everybody. This is amazing, like the first inaugural open house or the second proper one.
1: Yes, the scale this year and the size is amazing. Walking around and seeing everyone having such a good time. I think everyone's got to go home and tell their wives and husbands that they've maxed out their credit cards. Yeah, hopefully. But it's all worth it. And everyone I can see has a big smile on their face. It's yeah, it's, it's, it's so there's a real buzz yeah, what I like to do when I speak to anyone and get to know them for the first time is take it right back to the very beginning. Um, talk to me when you first started drawing. Were you a young toddler with crayons sketching your favourite comic book artists, or? Yeah,
2: basically, and you know, I'm sure for most of us that's that's what it was, and um, we all just grew up and forgot to stop, forgot to stop doing it, basically. So I just drew every day and I would come in from school and I would just draw Spider-Man and Star Wars and Transformers, whatever thing I was into at the time as I was growing up. And then many, many, many years later, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't forget that feeling. So to get to do stuff for those companies or whether you're still making fan art or whether it's licensed, it's still, you've got to have that same feeling, you know. So, you
1: know, I love it. It's amazing. Now... Can you remember those first prints maybe when you were at university or college that really stood out when people started saying to you, you've got a talent, you could really make something of this. Was there a certain point that you could remember being like a turning stage in your career?
2: I think it's just a, it's been a gradual thing for me. I always remember at school, I think anyone who can draw and other people who kind of wish they could, you feel like you kind of get those comments. So growing up, I remember people always saying, oh, you know, you're going to be an artist, you know. And, um, you know, you never really take that seriously. I just knew I loved doing it. Uh, and then if you keep doing something, hopefully you get better at it.
1: Definitely. <laughs> and that's
2: all it takes, really.
1: Was there kind of certain comic book artists or artists in the world that you were looking at their work and thinking, that's what I want to do, or studying it? I remember when I've interviewed Matt before, you know, with Drew Struzen, you'd be there with like a... Zoom looking in and trying to see with a magnifying yeah. glass all the detail. Was there a certain artist that you were really a fan of as a young age?
2: Yeah, well, when I was a kid, my uncle gave me a load of his like Marvel comics, uh, like that, some of the early Spider Man ones, but they were like the UK r- reprints. Oh, wow. So they're not worth anything. No, um, eBay. Any, yeah, but for me, they, you know, were, like just blew my mind and they were mostly. Uh, John Romita Senior who now you know sadly passed away just like last week didn't he? Yeah. But he was always for me obviously later on I discovered you know um, Kirby and um, you know all the other amazing Spider-Man artists there have been over the years like Steve Ditko obviously but for me it was John Romita like his just the way that he drew Spider-Man was so expressive and you know whatever, like acrobatic and muscular and dynamic. So I've actually used to color them all in and ruin the comics and stuff. They're definitely worth nothing now. Um, and then later on, you know, because growing up in the 80s, like, yeah, I, I would love looking at the movie posters by Drew Struzan. Obviously, as a kid, I didn't have no idea who he was. And of course, back then, I guess like there was no social media or anything. So no one really knew like as as an artist working then, it must have been, you know, you'd see your work out there. Someone like Drew obviously did poster after poster. Now, we're, well, they're iconic then, and we look back on it now with nostalgia. But, you know, to be a working artist back then, like no one would know who you were. Whereas now in this kind of alternative scene, we're able to make these posters and get them seen by people. And um, not that that's you know, important but it's just a it's kind of weird how that it's changed over the years you know
1: were you from a background where your family supported you because some people if you turn around to your parents and say I want to be an artist I want to be a musician they're like get a real job you know that's a hobby was there a part of your life where your family were convinced that you had a talent that they believed in you
2: Well, I think uh, for me, like my family were always super supportive and I'm sure that it's that's the kind of thing that is that makes the difference. You know, like so my dad was like a computer programmer and basically he would bring home these reams of paper with like code on them. But I was drawing so much like they they couldn't get me enough paper, basically. So I was drawing on all this like line printer paper and, you know, they've always been supportive and um, It's been, you know, really nice for them to sort of see that, you know, their sort of faith in me worked.
1: (laughs) It's amazing. And when you were kind of working on early projects, you said you've mentioned a few times today Spider-Man. Has there been some projects that you're really proud of that you didn't think could ever get over the line? I know you've worked on Prince for Halloween and stuff for Edgar Wright. I mean, those moments must be some of your career highlights already.
2: Yeah, it's all been amazing, and I, you know, feel really grateful. I know how hard I've worked to get to the point where these things have happened, but each one to me is really special um, because if you have a chance to make something that the people who made the thing that you love get to see, even if that's the, in some cases like the studio, or you know, I guess the marketing people as opposed to like the original creators, but from time to time. You know, like for instance, I just did um, a Blu-ray cover with um, with Eureka Entertainment for Valley Girl. Oh, nice! Like early Nicolas Cage film, and then like Deborah Foreman reached out to me, and she was so happy because basically back in the day, the producers never. She wanted to be paid some extra money to be on the poster. The producers said no, so they got someone else in to be on the original poster. Now, I'm not saying I don't think for the Blu-ray cover I did she got any money, but she was really happy to be finally on some cover art associated with that film. So I'm going to send her a print and, you know, that's cool. So that that's the amazing bit about it. Not that that happens that often. Uh, You know, you don't do it for that reason. You do it because you love the thing and you do it to get paid, you know, as well. but yeah, that does make it extra nice.
1: One of my favourite pieces of your uh, collection so far to date is True Romance, uh, that you got to work with Arrow Video and Arrow Film. Yeah. Does it still feel quite surreal that you can walk into HMV? Other Blu-ray shops are available. <laughs> well, they're probably not now. Not anymore. <laughs> no. Um, but do you like the fact that you can walk in and buy this 4K Blu-ray and you've got your artwork there? Because that for me is the moment when you look at your shelf and you're like, that's my work.
2: Yeah, it's bonkers and you never get tired of it and hopefully never should, you know, just to have, and not that, you know, anyone buying like, I don't know, a book cover or a DVD isn't necessarily, you know, your name might be in there somewhere, that doesn't matter, but to have just made this tiny little contribution to, you know, the the pop culture is, is really cool and, you know. Yeah, true romance, you know, I've just done a t-shirt with fright rags as well. So it was really nice to actually go back to that a couple of years later, because, you know, that, that film has got so much amazing visual stuff in there. So, you know, it's always good to go back. That's the thing. You do these licensed stuff with most movies and most TV shows. You could keep you can keep going back. There's there's always more. There's another angle you could potentially pursue. So, you know, you never know.
1: And being an artist, something that I find difficult, I'm not an artist by the way Um, if you look at a piece of work and you're working on it endlessly, many sleepless nights, being an artist is very time demanding how do you know when your picture is finished? Do you set yourself a deadline that you then tell yourself I can't go past this because with me podcasting if I don't set myself a deadline I'll edit and edit and edit and edit until I'm an insomniac but is there a point for you or do you just never know when it's finished until it feels right
2: well i think the secret is maybe other artists can relate it's ne- they're never finished no none of the work that you're buying today is finished we all you want you can
1: have it a list of refunds <laughs> in a minute like this yeah. isn't finished what are you doing
2: it's like or you, but you get to a point where you feel like you're ready to let go of it and that's as best as you can do and you kind of have to be happy with it obviously um, and yes you want to get all the detail in there that you had in your head originally but for me anyway I won't speak for anyone else but I always feel like as you go through your career you get better at getting closer to what you had in your head and that's where you kind of keep going it's almost like the next one I do is going to be better or that's going to be the good one
1: is there certain um, goals you've set yourself? Because to work with Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg, and then to see yourself with Empire Magazine, all these certain things, is there still something you're reaching for? Is there Because as a kid, you never thought you'd be on Empire Magazine and all this. Is there still a goal that you're trying to chase?
2: Actually, in a way, not really, because some amazing things have come my way that I'm very grateful for, so I don't... I think it's fine to have goals and stuff, um, but if you are fixated on one particular very specific thing that you feel like you won't be happy unless you do it, then you're kind of setting yourself up to not be happy. So I try to just, you know, give everything to whatever comes my way and over time that hopefully leads to other cool things. But, in any case, the main thing is getting paid to draw stuff. So that that's, that's enough of a reward, if that sounds cheesy, but I try and remember that. Like, And I also don't want to be greedy, like if I get to do more cool stuff, great, I'm ready, but. You
1: so, know. If, so if it's not a target, is there a dream franchise or a certain film that's close to your heart that you still have yet to do that you would love to have a stab at?
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess I'd like to do more Star Wars. Like, I was at Celebration uh, for the first time with the print for Andor, um, which is an amazing show that I just loved. But you know, um, I want to do all the Star Wars, so that that's probably the one area that I'm, ho- I'm hoping to expand into. Definitely.
1: I feel like there's something there and you're not telling me, like there might be something in the fire and... Not really,
2: but I guess that is the... More Star Wars would be the one, the general thing I'll always be up for doing.
1: And is there kind of projects you're working on now that you can tease us about or... I don't want to get no, you sued. Not, and... Yeah,
2: no, I've just, I've just had a really busy period and I'm just... I've literally just been taking the last few weeks have been a bit crazy. I'm taking a bit of a breather and I'm just starting to look at what's next. So definitely more posters, more movie posters, more video game posters. I've just been talking about as well. So, yeah, you know, and more Blu Ray covers. I'm just I'm keeping it going, basically. So that's more, amazing. More work soon.
1: Uh, I really appreciate your time today. Let's please make a bit more noise this time for Sam Gilby. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Cheers, Mark. Thank you, buddy. So there's my first interview with the one and only Sam Gilby, a returning guest on Mark and Me, but this time round it was face to face. It was actually the first proper time I had met Sam this time round, and it was so much better record in person. The chemistry is so much better, but it was also really good just to meet Sam because he's a friend of mine that I've kept in contact with since he came on the podcast last year. And I was so grateful to meet him, he had a great response at the open house and it was so good to see so many people at his stall loving him, celebrating his work and investing in some of his amazing artwork. So again, thanks Sam for coming on this special. Next up is another returning guest on Mark and Me and someone again that I have loads of his work all around my house, especially his jewels print which I think is really original and it is always really hard to come up with something so original when a poster can be so iconic but Doly nailed it. It was so good again this time around to do it face-to-face, so I think the best thing to do now is to get straight to it. So here's me and Dolly talking all things art. Hello everyone, we've now got the second live podcast of the day and I'm thrilled to announce that I'm joined by one of my favourite artists in the world, Dolly. So make some noise! Because this is being recorded and it's going to go on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, Go crazy, like really loud. So everyone's like, oh my God, it's like Wembley Stadium. So I'm joined by my favourite artist. Sorry, Matt. Dolly. <laughs> That's amazing. Thank you. So Dolly, we meet again. You have been on Mark and Me previously, but it's so much better to record an interview in the flesh. So welcome to Vice Press. How are you?
3: I'm great. It's it's. It's been a great weekend so far, catching up with everyone. Uh, And it's my first con of the year. It's been since last year. So it's it's nice to be out and again, get that muscle memory of meeting people and getting to show your work in person. So
1: it's been great. The response I've seen so far for talking to people and walking around is the fact that Sheffield, has just got this whole creative community and it's so good to see people turning up. The response was amazing sold out. As I stood outside today, there was people queuing. It feels like an amazing atmosphere, and it's just great to be part of something so special.
3: Yeah, um, hats off to Matt and the whole team at Vice Press. They they had a dream and they pulled it off, uh, and it's amazing. Like people from the UK are doing this. Like we have such a rich community of artists here, that you that it's it's a shame that we don't have more of this. So you know, bravo! They've really pulled off something amazing here, and like. I'll be back again next year.
1: Yeah, I think each time as well, it's gonna get bigger and better, so I'm really hoping that like, you know, eventually we see it just take off or even go to different venues and different places because you can see today there's an actual demand. Everyone's selling loads, everyone's got absolutely loads of stuff with them. It's a great weekend already.
3: Yeah, uh, it reminds me a bit of like my first convention, which was years ago now, and I was t- I'm telling other people's stories because for, for a lot of people, this is their first convention and it's like, there's so much you learn from your first one. You're so timid and you're scared to approach people and you're like, oh, here's my art, but I don't want to talk about it. Um, and it feels like that feeling, because this is the first time I've done like Open House. Um, it's a great like butterfly feeling. It's like, oh, I get to do it again for the first time. And it's like, you know, with people I already know. So. It's, it's a great feeling and there's so many like friendly faces and people that are like I've conversed with online and people have bought stuff from me previously it's nice to meet them in, in person for the as well.
1: What I think is quite funny is when I'm walking around today I'm, I know a lot of people just because of their profile picture or their emojis and stuff so I'm walking around like oh my god you're real like you're an actual human being. Yeah I've, I've like met a couple of people and I was like and it's been surprising when
3: they have like, oh, I know who you are. <laughs> and even just from like, you actually look like your emoji in a sense, They're like what you are. So I was like, that's been great. And then in some cases like, oh, I'm so-and-so and we were, j- we were joking last night. Everyone should pay like a lapel pin which is actually their like, social media icon, <laughs> and everyone will instantly know, oh, it's you, and you don't have to spend the first couple of minutes like, do I know him, do I not know him? Can I just fake it for a few minutes? It's like sort of
1: speed dating. I've got my name on my arm, and I'm trying to tell people who I am all day. That's, that's the way to do it. I think that one of my
3: conventions, first one I did in the States, I had a name badge on me, because like, at that point, I'd only been the logo, I'd never had like, a shoot. i never had like an interview per se. So I was like, I'll just put a name badge there. I don't mind being that person. And I was like, that helped a lot. Because it's like, they know you work, but they don't know the person. Um, so, so many times that's happened. So I think everyone needs to just like, hey, adopt the name badge. Or wear the t-shirt that has your name on it.
1: That's, that's the future. But um, what I like to do, and you know this from when you've been on Mark Me previously, is to get to know you better. So where did it all start for you? As a kid, were you studying at school or college that made you fall in love with art?
3: Um, I was always that creative kid growing up. Um, I always leaned towards that side of things. Um, I, ne- I was never one for, I guess, the, the traditional sort of educational sort of like process. So I, you'd always find me drawing something or recreating something. Um, so it was a natural step from taking that after my GCSEs, because my GCSEs, I didn't take art GCSE. Everything was very traditional at that point. And then my parents saw that that's not for him. And when it came to then after the GCSE's failures and so forth, it was like, let him go in that creative field. And then it was like, I got a chance to really flourish and really like sink myself into that world. Like try photography, try graphic design, try pottery and all these different mediums just to find where I wanted to take it. And it was when I found like what graphic design was, was like, there's a path. I know what I want to do with this. And it was like graphic design became web design. Um, and that was my career for about 18 years before I came back to illustration.
1: Do you feel that that was kind of also a career that that could then win the parents over, like a proper job? If you're just telling them that you're an artist or you want to be a comic book artist or a poster artist, was the graphic design route something to kind of keep them happy at the same time?
3: Yeah, it was like... Because I, th- I think being like a child of an immigrant from Brunei, you do have this sort of, like not burden, but you have a responsibility to do well. They've come here so you can actually achieve more than they could back home. So there's like, okay, there's a career in this. And like, to be honest, I really enjoyed my career in graphic design and web. There, was, there wasn't a point that I didn't. It was just like, this is the direction, and I really enjoyed it. But then my love was always illustration. It was always film. It was always comics. So at one point, it was like, I want to do something on the weekends, which is just for me. And I, like, learned to draw again because I hadn't done it for so long. And it kind of went on from there.
1: So when was the step that you kind of went to that transition? Because you've been doing graphic design, you're creating designs, you're a creative person, you had a long career in it. When was the stage when you felt yourself getting that itch to do it more personal and do projects that you wanted to work on?
3: It was that point
1: where I'd I'd
3: become, like, a manager at work and I, I was the team lead. And it's great from from like overseeing younger talent and so forth, but the thing you miss is you're doing more paperwork at some point than you are actually design work. And I, that creative itch wasn't being, you know, scratched at work anymore. Um, or I was spending my time in meetings. There was still the creative side, but not as much as I was used to. So I was like, I'm not going to get that, and I like the pay and everything else that comes along with it and the responsibility, so let me do something for myself. And that first thing that I opted for was photography. So about... I would say for about six months to a year, I was just playing around with photography and that was my outlet. And then I was like, okay, this is cool. But then I, like, I went back to illustration just because I was like, I, haven't, I just felt so guilty that I hadn't drawn for so long. And I was so rusty with it. Um, so I just set myself like a little side project. Let's over the year learn to draw again and get better at something that was basically something I did every day as a kid.
1: Was there a turning point when you were doing these designs and playing and seeing how it went? When people were starting to stop you or see your work online, was there a point where you thought, I could do the transition now, I could make this my full-time job?
3: From, from the point of like learning to draw again, there was a bit that I was like, okay, the designer in me wants to set myself a brief, and the brief was, let's design a movie poster. So I did a set of three, which is like minimalist movie posters. One was Shaun of the Dead, one was um, um, Reservoir Dogs, and I think the last one was... It was a... Um, it was Probably that it minimalist, was, was, you forgot it. Yeah, it's was, it was one of my, like, my first posters, but it was like three, and one was a horror film, but it was like so minimalist in what they were, but it's like it got about like, four or five likes online, but those four or five likes were enough for me to say, I enjoyed this, I'll do more of this, and then it was just a case of, okay, how do you translate film into this medium? Um, and then it was just, the way I saw stuff was different from a lot of people. I wasn't necessarily just drawing people, like, I wanted to just draw the character. I wanted to find a metaphor for that film, and elaborate on that after doing that for about a year people started like picking up the work putting it on blogs and talking about it and that's when it was like okay people actually enjoying what I'm doing it's like let's do more of this and this could be something Um, it was after like one or two years I got my first official gig which was for the film Spring Breakers and I was like hey would you like to do an alternative poster for this film and I was like this is actually something after like is this real pinching myself sort of moment um And after that, it really has been a case of, okay, let's do the next thing, next thing. And while doing that, it's still doing a lot of personal work because I was still trying to juggle the day job and what this new career could be in theory. Um, For about four years, I was doing that.
1: Wow. So did it kind of elevate quite quickly? Because it wasn't that long, was it, that your posters were being spotted and worked on for companies like Marvel? Yeah. You know, massive big pictures, massive big projects your numbers must have gone from four likes to a hundred to a thousand did you kind of be able to take a step back and see this growth or were you just caught up in it and it was just blowing up
3: it's i think each time something like great happened from that point of view whether like someone famous retweeted your work or like james gunn working on gardens the galaxy was a really big turning point because he championed the art so much um but every time that sort of thing happens and your work blows up for one reason or another, you have to try and stay, take a step back and not get lost within that sort of stuff because you want to you want to be, I don't know, you don't want to get big-headed about the work because I want to I make it about the work and not necessarily the likes and the stuff that comes along with it because um, I enjoy doing the work. Um, so each time you have to kind of check yourself, like when I did my Wonder Woman piece, which is probably from a social media point of view, the biggest thing I've done, the, the traction that got, um... I work with Baltimore Gallery and a large percentage of the profit we gave to charity because of that. Because it's like, okay, I've got something good out of it now. I need to pass that on to someone else. So that kind of good, good vibes, that karma keeps coming back to me in a positive way. So there's always that sort of side of things.
1: So what was the moment when you really kind of felt like you've made it on that second choice of a career move? Because was there a certain one that really blew up or one that you were so proud of that maybe took a bit longer to get finished? Um, well... I think Wonder Woman was at that
3: turning point, but Guardians of the Galaxy came before that. So I was like, those two in hand are worth probably two turning points. Where I was like, I've worked on a Marvel film now, and then something that was a pet project, which I drew in theory in a day and a half, um, became this massive piece in a week. From a week of like showing it online, it became an official week piece and was sold within a week's period. So that was like financially as well. It's like I could actually do this as a day job. And then I had moved companies also at that time for you know better pay and, and a, a bigger role. But that company that I worked with, it was such a bad role and such a bad move from that point of view, just like the, 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 the ethics of the company. It said, okay, I, I'd rather not work here. So that was a very big like, spearhead of like, okay, you're passionate about this, you can't keep juggling two jobs, especially from a family point of view, it gets harder and harder. So let's just make the move. There's never going to be a, a right time. And worst case scenario, I can always, like, I've got 18 years in the bank. I can always get that job again. So I was like, let's give it a go.
1: That's really brave. And I think there's so many people I talk to that work in the creative industry. They get to that point of having to take that final step. But it's hard. Because it, you know you need to pay the bills. You need to feed the kids. You need to have a normal life and pay the mortgage. But okay. if you don't take that step sometimes, I feel like... You just never will, and it's depressing.
3: Yeah, there's, and there's, a big part of the fear of it was like, when I had the day job, that was the stability, that was everything that was supposed to be there. Um, I always call it the wife and the mistress. The, the wife's there for stability, and the mistress was there for fun, which was the poster world. But at one point it was like, if I actually give this the full go, everyone that was a doubter of me all that time gets the chance to like, oh, he's failed. But when it was just like a part-time thing, it's like he can do as much as he wants, the day job is this, and there's never that, that risk factor. And it's fine, it's like you've got to, you've really got to just put your money where your mouth, is. like, okay, this is really it. Failure or not, you just have to go for it.
1: It's amazing. So now that you've had quite a few years in the industry, you're doing really well, you've worked with some incredible studios, you've worked on some projects that you must have dreamed of, you know, some of the Edgar Wright films, stuff like this and the the Spider-Man and all this. Is there a moment that you feel that you still are achieving to try and get to that's in touch and distance? Is there a project you want to kind of see yourself on your CV that you've achieved?
3: I I don't think you ever feel like you've made it because it's always gradual steps and each time you're growing year after year those milestones become a bit further in distance or they're they're, they're larger milestones Um, even now it's like talking to some people that are juniors in that sense you don't feel like you've made it but there's always the next project and it's like as much as I've done I'd like to do more now on the production side of things so like a lot of the poster world is reactive to whatever the the, the film is or the comic book is or yeah. what have you. It'd be nice to be on the other side of the camera in a sense that actually creating the stuff that posters are made of. So I've I've been able to do some like early production work on some video game stuff, which is like very early, and that's been greatly re- like rewarding from my point of view to see, and then see those things in the game and so on. So. I guess that side of stuff, whether it's like drawing in-games or in-world stuff or films, but to do more side of that side of the narrative that actually creates the art.
1: So I've just been literally talking to you before we came up here today, and we looked at your Shining print, which is one of my favourite prints I've seen of the weekend so far. What was it like creating something that is such an iconic film? I think you've got to be quite brave, like Jaws, Shawshank Redemption, Blade Runner, there's certain films that you... I think, have to really be confident in making because they're iconic and they've done so well. So to take The Shining, some people would be like, you're crazy, like, that, that poster's iconic, yeah. but you've still done it in your own style, but it's still Cube esque for me.
3: Yeah, I think when the, like, when the initial poster art is so strong, you've got to, in a sense, treat it with respect. So it's not like you're trying to erase everything. Um, but at the same time, you were to bring something fresh and new to that world like there's been dozens of hundreds of like you know the shining poster over the years official or non-official but and everyone's trying to bring something different to it so I definitely see the world slightly differently um, but it's like what can I bring to it that hasn't been done before and it is and it's a bit of research as well it's like you have this initial idea and, and it's like surely someone's done this already it's like for me it was like so obvious as an idea surely someone's done it After researching it and then talking to a lot of artists, has anyone seen something like this? They're like, nope. But then even selling it to a gallery, I got a lot of no's on that poster before I finally got a yes. So I had had the sketch. The sketch was two years old before it actually became a poster, and someone said, yes, make that a poster and we'll put it out. So That that, that
1: that blows my mind that it's so long, like a film production, to get greenlit. How do you keep bouncing back if you keep getting no's and no one's interested, if you believe in it so much?
3: I think some of my best pieces are the ones that got no, got a no straight away. Like when I did Jaws, that initially got a no. Um, when I did Batman Begins, that initially got a no. Um, Lord of the Rings, that initially got a no. Um, and Lord of the Rings I originally drew in 2016, and it came out in like 2020. So it's not always like the happy pass, everything goes, but it's like... And at that point, I was feeling quite detective, like this is... What I really enjoy doing in the sense this style of poster making, and it's no one's buying this, what are they gonna buy? Um, and then I just put some of those pieces out on social media. And once the reaction of the public came in, some of those galleries came back, okay, let's do it with you. And it's like that was like not just reaffirming from my point of view, I am doing the right thing and I should like um, believe in myself and you know, check the gut that like, yes, this is the right way. Regardless if you get a couple of no's, carry on in your path and you'll get there.
1: Is there still a certain film or project that would be a dream for you? I know you've got to work on Batman and stuff like that, but is there still one that you would just, because of licensing or getting over the green line, you're getting it greenlit, is there still something that in your heart you want to do? Is there a, a, something that means a lot to you personally?
3: Um, there's, there's always like, there's always a, like a long list of my phone of what I want to work on. Um, there's definitely one favorites that I think everyone has that poster in about somewhere like Back to the Future, you know, having grown up with that film, or, you know, remembering queuing up at the cinema when the first film came out is like, that has a special part for me. So, so at some point, I want to do that. Um, American Whale Film London, I loved it as a kid just because like, it's the first time you saw that werewolf trans- transformation and it was so unique. Um, so that's on my to-do list. There's, there's films like that, even like 2001, which has been done a lot. Um, I've got an idea for it and a sketch in my head, and it's like, I will get around to those things. So those are the things that, in between the official projects and everything else, these are the passion things that keep you going. It's like, I will get around to that special something.
1: It's amazing. Uh, I've really enjoyed chatting with you again today. It's so good to see you face-to-face. It's great to do stuff on Zoom, but to see you in the flesh and actually talk, it means so much, but... I'm a huge fan of your work and anyone that hasn't, please go and check out your work in the corner over there. But let's give a massive shout out now and make some noise for Dolly, everyone. Thank you, Brother. So there's my second interview of today's special with the returning guest, Dolly. Like I said, it was so good to sit down with him face to face. We have great chemistry, and I do truly look at him as a close friend. He's a lovely guy. His store was really busy. I got to see his brand new print for The Shining, which is absolutely unbelievable. I didn't buy it because if I'd gone home and spent even more money on art, I may have faced a divorce, but it's absolutely gorgeous. So I might just treat myself in the the next few weeks and hope I don't get found out. Finally on this podcast now I have a third guest and this time round it's a Mark and Me debut for the incredible Bella Grace. I absolutely love her work and honestly, I own her Eddie Vedder print, her Pearl Jam print, I also have her Back to the Future print, so to get the opportunity to sit down and actually have a full-on chat with her was a dream come true. She's someone that I've wanted to get on Mark and Me for a long time and during the event we did agree that she would come on for a very special episode in the near future as a dedicated Voice Behind the Arts special, so I can't wait for that she's absolutely gorgeous an amazing person and so honest and so open and it was so lovely to speak to her so i think the best thing to do now is to get straight to the interview so here's me and bella grace talking all things art it's now time for another live podcast today and this time round i'm joined by genuinely i'm not just saying this one of my favorite artists bella grace so let's have a massive roar like a stadium Thank you for having me. Bella, thank you for joining me on the sofa today at the Vice Press
0: event. Honestly, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much. It's
1: it's been a long time coming, but um, today has been an amazing success. I'm walking around seeing so many artists and so many people admiring everyone's work. It must be amazing to be part of such a a great day.
0: Do you know what? I'm so humbled to be across... like just just even be here like with all these amazing talented artists and to me it's more of like a social gathering like I come up here to bring my prints and sell but really what I'm really looking forward to is just to see my mates. That's
1: amazing (laughs) and um, what I've done in the past is had a lot of the artists on here on Mark and Me already but you've not been on yet
0: I know we've, we've yet. I've, yeah, well, we will. We will definitely we'll make sort it happen. Out. We'll make it happen. But sure. what
1: I do do with all the artists that have been on previously is take it right back to the very start. So I don't know how your career started. So at school, were you the girl always doodling and drawing? Is that how you got into art?
0: Yeah, I mean, art was like my top subject from a very young young age, and I think when I as I was growing up, I. I didn't really think I could make a career out of it. So it was never really on the agenda. Um, and then when I got to university sort of stage, I thought, what can I do? So I went more into like film. I did digital film and screen arts. Uh, I tried photography as well. And then eventually I kind of, I knew I loved film. I knew I love illustration. And I was working in a graphic design job. Uh, and I came across a few ollie Moss prints, which I know a lot of other artists also. It's one of the first points of entry as to how they came across alternative movie posters. Yeah. And for me, like, I was just working, and I, I saw it just came up on my social... This is where social media is so good, because it does just open your eyes to the world of, you know, alternative movie posters. And I was like, OK, I didn't realise, could. Like, <laughs> this is something you can actually, like, do. I was like, it was like an epiphany moment for me. And I was like, okay, so somehow I needed to change the way I work. And obviously I didn't want to quit my job (laughs) because you just can't, can you? So I ended up managing to go, like, take some hours away, go a bit more part-time so that I could allow time to be more creative and be more creatively pushed. Um, So, yeah, I I just started working on some tribute pieces and thinking, like, right, if I'm going to do this... I need to have some work to show for people to hire me because otherwise how are you ever going to be an artist doing that sort of job if no one can see you can do it yet so yeah i just started to make some posters and then it just got picked up by the poster per se, and then eventually i was like you know this is where i want to be so
1: what were those first early designs that you did that started to get that attention online that people were starting to really like and become fans of your work over
0: uh, for, for me it was back to the future it was the first gallery piece i actually made uh, thanks to mark bell when he was working with Zavi gallery um, he actually it was funny we met at um, mcm london a few years back uh, probably more than that actually is it feels like time i have no concept for time right now but Yes. Yeah, so when we met, he took my business card, and I took his, and then a good month, few months later, I saw his business card, I'd like, better message that guy. And then, it's so strange, a few weeks went by, and then he messaged me, and I was like, that's weird, I was thinking about you a few weeks back, and he said, how would you like to do Back to the Future? I was like, I'd absolutely love to do Back to the Future, it's one of my favourite trilogies, like, it will be an absolute passion project. Um, So, yeah, I did that, and it came out, and it was really successful, and then from there, it just sort of snowballed, and then I started chatting with the guys at Vice Press, and it just, you know, it just went from there, really.
1: At that point, were you starting to kind of find it difficult to make a name, because I think sometimes the industry's been quite male-led... And it's really amazing to come here today and see so many female artists that are so creative, that are now getting a really good backing, really successful. And it feels to me like there's a nice shift now, and it's not just yes. MCM Comic Con with man after man after man selling comics. It's refreshing for me, and it feels really nice to see.
0: Yeah, I mean, it is fantastic. And I'm not going to lie, it did give me a foot up in to be able to get where I am now, but... I love to just see that, like even today, like a, w- a lovely lady came up to me and said, "You know, I want to do this too." And I'm like, "Yes, go for it!" Like it does feel like it is a male-dominated industry, um, but all I can say is, you can definitely, you can definitely be in there with with the men and be equal to doing the amazing poster art too. And even like with kids, because being a woman, you do obviously have this sort of struggle with. Like deciding, like, do I, you know, take part in being a full-time mom or do I do my career? And I think, like, I really didn't know if it was going to work out. And then I had my son a few years ago, and I thought, okay, I'm going to have to step back from the poster world. But it just happened that I really thought I was going to fall off a bandwagon, but it just didn't. And I just managed to keep going with it, and it just proves that you can do both. You can, you know, be a mom and and and, and also enjoy. Um, being, having a good career.
1: One of my pieces that I have at home, and I have to be really selective because there's only so much wall space and I'm sure every art fan has to change them around, but I have your Pill Jam print that you did for the Hyde Park gig with the phone box. For me, one of my favourite bands of all time, Eddie Vedder, one of the best songwriters. What was it like when you got approached to work on that? Because that must be like a dream come true. Pearl Jam, one of the biggest bands in the world, and you get to do it for their London exclusive show, it's incredible.
0: Yeah, I mean, when that that actually came in just after I had finished the Eddie Vedder poster, Um, and my son was only, I think, 12 weeks old, and I was working on Eddie Vedder. At the time, I decided I'm not going to work for six months, I'm going to take this time to be a (laughs) mum. But then when something like that comes into your inbox, you're like, okay... I'm gonna make this work. I have to. There's no way I can turn you down You don't say
1: no to Pearl Jam. You
0: don't say no to Pearl Jam, you don't say no to Eddie Vedder. Um, and I was like, actually baby naps. I'll I'll do it when he's sleeping. <laughs> 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 I'll work it at the evening when he's gonna bed. And it and then after Eddie Vedder, then I did Pearl Jam. And it was just so nice to do it because obviously I'm British and it was in Hyde Park. And I really wanted to, you know, bring that element of, like, the location into the poster, and then, like, have, like, a double image of, like, a guitar, it working into the seven-time bridge. Um, but it, it just, it was just a dream come true, and I just still can't believe that these jobs that I got, I got right when I really thought, if you'd have told me, like, before having a child that you were going to have a child and work on these, like, this level of post, I wouldn't have believed you, and honestly, it, it's it just has happened, and I'm so grateful to even be like considered for the job.
1: So when that's actually come out and you see it at the gig and people are posting them online, is it literally a case of pinching yourself? Because it must not feel real until it's actually out there for people to buy.
0: Honestly, there are people emailing me, telling me how their sick partner hasn't got long to live and that their last wish is to have a poster. And I'm like, it's really hard and I, I just like you can't just be okay, well I'll, it's so limited and you only get given so many posters and I'll do the best I can do but when it comes to it, like it is such a fight and I didn't expect it to sell out so quickly either but then when you see how many great like, pieces of work are made for Pearl Jam it, and how collectible they are it, it's just, it's, it is an amazing thing to be a part of and I'm so happy that I was a part of that
1: I was walking around earlier today and I walked past and saw your June poster and the kind of foil effect and everything caught my eye, like a magpie, I was like, oh, what's that? Again, that must be an amazing project because an amazing film, um, a masterpiece, but to try and take that on and make it your own when so many artists have already done their spin, what was that like when you kind of thought to yourself, I'm going to tackle this big beast now?
0: Yeah, I mean, the movie in itself is a masterpiece, so it's kind of like that moment, like, where do I begin? (laughs) And I just thought, well, I really do like to try and put in as much as I can into a poster. And when you really love a film and you're passionate about it, it does usually reflect in the artwork. So with this one in particular, I just, I like the, the moment where he's having a vision. And so I thought I could use the dunes to sort of give, like, a feeling of two separate scenes. So, you've got the scene of him sort of kneeling, having his vision, and then there's all the like scenes from the movie all inside the dunes. Um, But the main thing I really wanted to reflect in this poster was for the foil to uh, reflect the um, copper color of the spice. Yeah. Um, So, the, you know, James and Matt, Vice Press, they did such an amazing job printing this. And in person, it is just, um, you know, I just did not. Imagine how great this was going to come out, and I'm so glad that they made that a reality for me.
1: And now that's here and it's in the flesh and it's real and it's done, are you allowed at this point, or is there something that's due soon that you're working on or that's going on behind the scenes, or are you just kind of taking a step back now that one's actually finally here?
0: Well, you know, I need to talk to obviously to the guys at Vice Press, but at some point it would be wonderful to make a part two version so that they can sit by side as like a set I can set, see James sitting but, uh, up. yeah, yeah, yeah if, he's, if he's happy to do that then uh, we can work that out so we've
1: got yeah. this recorded so it's on I'm, record
0: I'm, I'm putting him on the spot now so uh, <laughs> so yeah we, we can sort that one out
1: and is there any films that mean a lot to you personally that you're still yet to do we just had Doly on we've had Sam Gilbey on I'm sure every artist has a list of their favourite films. Oh the iconic gosh. ones like Jaws and Blade Runner. But yeah. are, there, are there still some passion projects that you really want to get off the ground?
0: I think there's one film or franchise that I think a lot of artists right now are thinking, mm, I would love to be a part of that, is uh, Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse.
1: Amazing. I think
0: everyone wants to be a part of that. And I didn't realise that my outfit today was really channelling the spot. So... <laughs> Uh, that was Deliberate totally That was totally unplanned. But yeah, I was just saying to everyone, don't get too close to me or I'll send you to a different dimension or a different vert- multiverse. So um, yeah, I would love to make a poster for that. Um, I think it's just so uh, broad with like, w- w- the possibilities are endless of that one. So yeah, if that ever came onto the table, I would definitely snap that one up.
1: I've seen a lot of young people here today and they're with their parents and you... You kind of have this real soft spot when you see someone that wants to get into the industry and you're like a a little superhero to them because you did the posters that they got on their walls at home which is just beautiful Mm. and what advice do you give to anyone that wants to get into the industry when it's so hard to get kind of seen and noticed i think with instagram facebook twitter you can get your work out there Mm. but what advice do you give to kind of stand above and try and get noticed in a industry that is so hard to kind of yeah. be at the top.
0: It is really it is hard. I think that with anything it is dedication to uh your craft. Um but my main piece of advice is if you want to get a job in a certain like doing a certain uh film or property um draw it like you were given that job. Like get your portfolio together and if you you're not, you're not going to really get hired for something if someone can't see that you can't do it. So, like for me personally, I really spent a lot of time devoting my free time to creating artwork that I would like to get hired for. Like, no one's going to ask you to draw something if they can't see that you can do it. You know? So, yeah, I 100% just say like it, it all reflects in your work. So do the work. Like treat it like you got given that job as an official job. And then, and then the rest should follow and just keep pushing out there on social media because you never know who's gonna see it. And also try to um, you know, get involved with a community of other artists around doing the same thing because through other artists, you just never know. Someone might know someone and we do help each other out. We are a really strong community, everyone is friends. So yeah, it's, it's those two main things I would suggest
1: being a mother obviously an artist life is hectic do you ever get to just sit back at home and draw for fun anymore or is it project after project after deadline or can you just sit back with a pen and paper and remember the first days that you used to draw for fun
0: i think this is the first time i've sat in two years Uh yeah, no, I, I don't get much time to do any like tribute work, as I would call it. Um, it's it's very much like official paid gigs and I'll make it fit. Like whatever comes in, I'm like, okay, I'm going to make it work. I'll do it when he naps. I'll do it when he's asleep at night. I'll tag team with my husband. On the weekends, I'll say like this weekend, I'm going to, sorry, but I'm going to have to do a bit more work. Um, I, do, I would love to do some more passion projects. Um like I used to, but it's it is one of the things it 's just a temporary like I can see like it 's a temporary thing right now I 've just got to focus on the paid gigs and get that done, and then be a good mum at the same time because i do want i don 't want to just be working all the time it's important for me a work life balance yeah, so to be there for my son and not send him off five days a week is quite important, so i just I try and balance it, and I feel like right now i've got it just right, and I just know that you know what i'm I've just proved by having a baby that I can work and still be here um, if I have to wait a few years until he goes to school until I can fully apply a full-time on this sort of career then I can do that it's, it's not- tough
1: isn't it because the balance of getting it right and you don't want to miss sports days in the future you don't want to miss certain events because you're working but if the dream project like Pearl Jam comes along you don't want to say no so yeah. if you've got the balance now and it works don't change anything. Just keep it as it is. Yeah, yeah.
0: It, I think it also means that I just cherry-pick things, you know. I just think, like, is this worth my time? Yes, I'll do this. If something else comes in and I'm like, you know what, do I value this higher than the time I spend with my son, then I'll say no. But it, at the moment, I really do, like any artist, really do struggle to say no to a project, so... <laughs> But yeah, I, I, definitely, I definitely think it's good that I'm able to be there for both my son and also not lose myself and my own identity. So yeah, it's just the right balance right now.
1: As you know, I'm a fan of your work. I've wanted to sit down and talk to you for a long time. We're gonna do a separate episode for Mark and me with you sitting down and going into a lot more detail. But thank you so much for coming today. Thank you so much for joining me on the couch. And it's, the wait has been worth it. So everyone, please give it up for better grace.
0: Thank you so much for having me. It wasn't bad. No, it wasn't.
1: (laughs) So there it is. There's my interview with Bella Grace, someone that I just said at the start of today's interview is someone I've wanted on this podcast for a long, long time. So it was so good to make it happen and it was definitely worth the wait. We connected straight away. I felt I've known her all my life and I can't wait to get her on for her own episode in the near future. So that brings us to the end of the three-part special for Vice Press today. As you know, I had an amazing time at this event. I think all the work that Matt Ferguson, James Henshaw and his beautiful wife Natalie put on was incredible. They were so good from the start. All the organisation, all the hard work that went into this, it really did pay off. And the event for me was a huge success. And I feel truly honoured to be part of it and I can't wait if it happens next year to hopefully be involved again because it was one of my highlights of the year and I haven't stopped telling people about it since I got home. So as I promised, there was a goodie bag given away at this event that was exclusive to only people that attended the open house event by Vice Press. It included many art cards from each and every artist that attended the actual event. Not only that, it had the exclusive Guardians of the Galaxy trilogy work by the amazing Matt Ferguson and so much more. And I've been lucky enough to give two of these away thanks to the guys at Vice Press. Now what I'm going to do this week is be celebrating this special on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And if you stay tuned and follow me on all these different sites, you will see the competition go live this weekend. Now you'll find out exactly how to do it on the links on markandme.com, so there's no excuse not to enter. And I can't wait to see the face of someone that gets this in the post because it truly is something that money can't buy. Also, I want to give a massive, massive thank you to the amazing guys at Vice Press. All your hard work paid off. All of the incredible artists had the best time and the vibe and the atmosphere and everything is something that I couldn't have even dreamed of. So fair play guys, it was amazing. What I ask everyone to do is please go and visit vicepress.com or follow them on all their social media channels to be included in all the updates, all the amazing posters that they give and hopefully this time next year there'll be an event that we can all attend again. But in the meantime, if you've enjoyed today's episode, please share it on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. It goes a really long way. I'm an independent podcaster and a one-man team, so I can't rely on spending all this money on advertisement. So if you've listened today and you think it's a good podcast, just share it and it really, really makes a difference. Also, if you're new to Mark and me, I'm not new to this whole thing. I've been doing it for five years, so there's 270 episodes out there for you guys to listen to with all different people from all different walks of life. So go in, dive in, and see what you think to all the previous interviews. And I'll be back with my normal podcast in only a few days' time. So until then, take care, look after yourself, be creative, start being an artist or follow those artists that we've talked to about today, and I'll speak to you all very
3: soon <laughs>